Hello, welcome back to it. Another episode of Life in Red podcast at Life in Red podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Life in Red podcast.com, and Life in Red pod on the Twitter. Um, my guest today, this is a really great conversation and something I've wanted to have for a long time. Um, we get into nutrition, and I don't know about you, but when we talk about things like diet and nutrition and what's healthy and, and what's not, there there's so much competing information out there, uh, especially if you listen to podcasts and watch documentaries and, and really pay attention to it on, you know, what's healthy, what's what's not healthy, what can we eat, what shouldn't we eat, carbs, are they good, bad, you know, carnivore diets, all those different things. So uh, we really get into it here. Uh, we talk about, you know, a, a great diet you can used to promote, you know, good mental well-being and mental health uh, throughout the winter coming up here. Uh, we talk about those diets and and some things that you should be doing and some things you shouldn't be doing. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, she is the owner of the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, and uh, she does a whole bunch of other things as well, which are, was really awesome. So please give it up for my guest, Natalie Riviere. Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to Life in All right, here we go. Natalie, how are you today? Great, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, this is an exciting conversation because I've always wanted to have someone who knows about nutrition and can give me all the ins and outs of it because there is nothing I find more confusing, especially with the amount of podcasts I listen to and documentaries than nutrition and diet. It confuses me every time because there's always new information. And my first kind of question for you is, even though there always seems to be data and science and all this stuff that backs up everything, why does it seem like nutrition is so subjective? Well, I think the first thing you have to consider is, is there credible research behind all of these things? Like who actually reads something or follows an Instagrammer or something and says, oh, you know, well, it says that, you know, protein requirements have been grossly underestimated in such and such a study. Does, does anyone ever go look up that study? <laughs> Very rarely, right? You have the odd, like real nutrition geek who's going to go look up these studies, but we take everything that we hear at face value, um, I mean, it's happening with COVID statistics and everything. People are like, oh, you hear this, hear that, and it's all over the place, different things. And for as many um, articles, let's say, that you can find supporting your argument, you'll find just as many that don't support your argument. And so I think that it's just that we never take the time to look a little deeper. And let's face it, nutrition is a massive money-making industry. Mm. Um, well, let's say diet industry, nutrition is also though simply um, food is, is like some of these things that we eat are not really food. They're just money making things and all the different supplements and super things and all these radical things that come out all the time. So we always have to remember that I don't think the agenda is always health. It's more about marketing and making money. So that is why we're presented with all of these we're basically bombarded with all these conflicting ideas all the time because people are just racing to get to the top to sell you the next thing and and make the most money off their product or their diet or their philosophy right 
Mm-hmm. But it's funny. Yeah. Social media has just, I think even ramped that up. But I, I, as you were talking about, it's like, you know, as someone who works in radio, like sometimes that's our bad and bread and butter what we talk about it's like oh there was a new study that says like if you eat chocolate you're gonna like have more sex <laughs> like do-do-do. it's like just catchy headlines but you're right we never go back and, and read the study and even if you did i bet most people wouldn't even understand how to read the study <laughs> exactly um what started you down this this road of nutrition is it something you always wanted to do or did you kind of stumble into it um it's a really long journey actually Um, And it's probably still a journey that's still going to this day, right? But the real turning point for me was, um, so I guess I actually learned about health from my best friend's mom as a teenager. So I spent so much time at her house and before health and eating healthy was even cool. This woman, like she walked every night after supper, she would hide like the junk food and sort of ration it. She cooked everything from scratch and she ate super, super healthy. And so, you know, it just kind of, you spend so much time at your best friend's house and it just kind of grows on you a little bit. And then um, she also did like these workout videos and little 20 minute workouts that were on TV back in the day. And so, you know, we would laugh at her, but then we would start participating in them too and, and just learning a little bit more about exercise and that sort of thing. So um, I grew up in my young 20s to be a fitness instructor and personal trainer, actually. So I took the fitness thing and really ran with it which was super cool. And I did, you know, make an effort to eat healthy or what I thought was healthy, right? Like people to this day will think that a Nutri-Grain bar is healthy because if you listen to the title, it sounds like it should be good for you, but it's not. So I thought I was eating really well and I was exercising like a maniac, which I didn't know at the time there's such thing as too much exercise, right? I was exercising like a maniac and and among my friends in my 20s, you know, I was a healthy one. People would come to me for advice and always be like, oh, boo on her. You know, she always picks the healthy thing on the menu and all this crazy stuff. So, um, you know, technically on paper, I should be the the picture of health. Um, But then like 25 years old, something went wrong with my health. So I wasn't feeling well, so I did what everybody does. I called the doctor and I went to the doctor and I said, listen, something's not right. I'm not feeling well. So she did some blood work and whatever regular tests came back, said, no, everything's fine. So I went back home. Things just didn't feel right, just started feeling worse and worse and worse. And so I went back again and again, she did a little bit more blood work and then she said, oh, yeah. I mean, at this time, I didn't know anything about anything. So she told me something was high and it was my cortisol, which at the time I had no idea what that was. And she was going to send me to, um, to a specialist. So I was like, okay, great. We're going to get somewhere. So of course I get a specialist appointment in like the year 2027, right? To get an appointment with a specialist takes forever. So I go on feeling like worse and worse and worse for about a year. So this is what was happening to me. I started to gain weight, even though I exercised 20 plus hours a week, okay, of gaining weight. So in my mind, there was no rationale for that. Um, I was getting like acne all over my face, food cravings, and my period was one week on, one week off. Now you can't relate, but that's really, really, really bad Mm. um, because not only is it, you know, just not fun to deal with, but losing that much blood, then iron levels start dropping, that affects your energy as well. So like, you know, just not feeling myself. 
So finally, I get an appointment with a specialist. I go see the specialist. I have to do more blood work, urine tests, all this kind of stuff. She tells me I'm fine. Mm. So I go home and I'm like, you know what? I know about fitness and exercise and health and vitamins and all these stuff. There must be some vitamins that can help me. So I type it into the computer and like back then there wasn't even Google and it was dial up. So it was like coming down the screen real slow, you know, (laughs) and of course, you know, when you Google something, you're going to get 10,000 different vitamins that you should be taking for this problem. So um, off I went to the store across the street from my house and uh, I bought every vitamin, mineral, herbal supplement under the sun and and I brought it home. And then of course, you know, some need to be taken with food, without food, before breakfast, before bed, with meals. It was so complicated. I had to make a spreadsheet and put all these vitamins on my kitchen table. And so I started following this regimen. Like it was insane. I used to carry, I still do actually carry these little pill cases with me everywhere I go to make sure I take my vitamins. But lo and behold, I started to see a difference. Mm. Well, not a huge difference. But something like my skin was clearing up, like a couple of things. So I was like, you know what? I'm on to something here. So I Googled whatever the thing was back then, uh, Bing did or Yahoo did or whatever. And um, out of like, it's just like the sky opened up. This thing came on my screen and it said, study nutrition at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And I was like, what? Like, there it is. That's what I need to do. I need to go learn it for myself and fix myself because this had been like a year and a half now that I had seen the doctor and specialist over and over and over. Like I'm condensing the story for you. So I had gone, you know, I literally had scar tissue in my arm from getting pricked so many times that the blood lab was like, we can't use that arm anymore. We need to use the other one. You know, that one, forget it. That one's done. So, um, up came this thing, the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. I was like, what? That's it. That's what I need to do. I need to go study nutrition for myself and learn how to fix myself. And so at the time, I was working full time for the police as a youth social worker at night. I was working full time during the day. If you know what cortisol is, you'll start to understand why I might have been ill. I was working full-time during the day at the YMCA as a youth gambling counselor because my first schooling was a degree in criminology and psychology. And in between all that, I would teach fitness classes and work out. And like, it was insane, crazy amount of stuff I was doing. So I just literally, it was August when I found this and school starts in September. So I literally just walked into my boss's office at the YMCA, which was my day job. And I said, I I quit. I'm going back to school. And he was like, okay. So I didn't call the school, go see it, nothing. I literally printed off the registration form, filled it out, put a check. That's what you did back then. Put it in the mail and, and off I went. And so I had figured out by then that high cortisol meant that my body was under stress. So... I didn't realize that overtraining caused stress and, and all these sort of things caused stress, but I thought to myself, you know, I'll just do the part-time program, take it easy on myself, not take on too much. So I started the part-time program and literally like two weeks in, I couldn't get enough of this information. I thought it was the most fascinating thing I ever learned in my life. So I went to the principal or the owner at the time and said, no, no, forget this part-time stuff. Like get me into the full-time program. I can't, I need to learn this as fast as possible. 
So I switched up to that program and um, I just, uh, to this day, it is the most uh, amazing education I've ever had. And I'm, you know, full of education. I have my degree in criminology, psychology. I started but didn't finish world religions. I have a college diploma in trauma and addiction counseling and law. And then, so nutrition was not the first time I'd ever been to school, but this was the best education, like the most amazing thing I'd ever learned in my life. And what do you know? My health started to shift. Now, obviously what I learned in a couple of weeks of school is not going to revolutionize my health, but there was teachings about the mind as well. So not just the physical body, but the mind as well. And understanding stress and the different coping mechanisms that we have in place and if those are even healthy ones or not and you know just dealing with past traumas and all kinds of things are part of the puzzle when it comes to your health and so i started implementing these things into my life and wow i i became healthy again so when i graduated the owner of the school said to me um would you teach our sports nutrition course next year so i was like yeah totally would love to. So I taught the sports nutrition class and then um, a couple of other classes. And I, I didn't really know where my life was going. Like when I signed up for the program, everybody said to me, you know, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this? I don't know. I just, I just knew that that's what I needed to study. And so, you know, I taught, I was like maybe 27 at the time. So now I had graduated, I was teaching and I was trying to start up a nutrition practice on the side, but it wasn't really my jam, um, you know, sitting and counseling people one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I, I'm very active. I like to be moving and doing things. And so um, all kinds of craziness happened in my life for some reason at that time. Um, I owned a townhouse at the time, and I, I just thought, to myself, the market's really good. I, I should try and sell it and see what I can get. Well, it sold in one day for over asking price, um, which is double the price that I bought it for. So I'm like 27 years old. I got this whack ton of money coming to me. Then I find out that I'm pregnant. I'm not married or anything. I'm pregnant. Um, I don't really have a job. I teach fitness classes and, and a couple courses at the Canadian School of National Nutrition. I don't know where I'm going to live. I put money down on a condo but it takes years to build a condo right so I felt like totally lost like oh my god I'm pregnant I don't really have a very good job um I don't even have a house to live in in a couple of months <laughs> like everything was just falling apart and so I walk into the school to pick up my last paycheck because it's June and of course you sell your house for big money in the spring so the spring I pick up my paycheck and I'm just saying, you know, have a great summer. I'll see you next year, you know, teach sports nutrition. Everything's cool. And as I'm walking out the door, the owner says, oh, wait, do you know anyone who wants to buy the school? What? <laughs> so I have a whack ton of cash that I'm going to have. I'm going to be a single mom. What? I'm going to have two weeks off at Christmas, summer. Like, it couldn't have been more serendipitous. So I was like, yes, I do. In hindsight, I think she knew that, actually, <laughs> that I might be a candidate. <laughs> but it seemed, you know, just random, out of the blue. 
And so, you know, when you buy a business, it's not that simple. You have to get lawyers and accountants and go through everything. And again, you know, the school had only been around for five years. It wasn't making millions or anything. And I was going to be a single mom. But again, so strongly, I just knew that that was going to be the right thing for me. And um, so I bought it. And now it is 15 years later. I still own it. My health is exceptional. And it has turned out to be the most incredible career of my life. Like I, I can't imagine doing anything else. It's amazing how the stars just align and the, the shining light happens. And you're just like, it, you know, people search their whole lives for purpose or their calling and then it just falls like right there and everything kind of lines up. It, it, it's it's exactly. amazing to hear. Um, I kind of wanted to break down this conversation in a couple ways, uh, but all obviously focused on nutrition, but the way my podcast kind of works is I, I have, you know, certain, like there's sometimes there's performance and athletes and mental health is a big one, obviously for me. So the first kind of section I wanted to talk about was like nutrition specific to kind of your mental well-being and, and supporting that it properly. Cause I mean, that's the reason why I got interested in nutrition is, you know, it was uh, an episode of, uh, I think it was Rogan, but they were talking about the gut microbiome. And that was like the first time I've ever heard it. Then I, you know, got super into it and, and finding out about that. So not a lot of people understand that when it comes to your mental health, like your diet, I mean, I don't know if you have statistics, but like, it, it's one of the most important factors when it comes to your mental health and all the different things that happen. So I, I guess like, we'll kind of start off. If you're trying to just give your brain the best chance to, to, you know, feel energized and, and, you know, try to fight off some of that anxiety, depression. I know it's not a full cure, but what are some of the things you should be eating and what are some of the things you probably shouldn't? Okay. I'm glad you phrased it that way instead of what are some things you could be taking because people, oh, I, I have so much to say to this. Like literally my son and I, he's 10. We're talking about this on the way to school today because he said, you know, um, so-and-so in his class eats all this garbage and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, and he was linking it to, you know, this kid doesn't have very good attention span in school. And sometimes he acts out and all these things. And I was like, wow, if these kids just got some fresh air, cleaned up their diet, I'm telling you, they would have none of these symptoms anymore. Like 90% of kids could be um, healed <laughs> um, if we really just cleaned up the diet, but people don't want to clean up their diet because that's hard. So they're always asking me, what should I take? What should you take? No, you're not going to go to the store and buy a bunch of supplements. Supplements absolutely do have their place to support your good diet. So that's the first diet, lifestyle, then supplements. Um, actually, I put it in a whole different order than that sleep mm. and then diet and then lifestyle. Um, but sleep kind of goes into lifestyle, but that's critical. So if we look at our brain and central nervous system, there's a couple of key things. And this has been, you know, a big issue with all the fad diets that are going on out there. So the first thing is that our brain is 60% fat. That's one thing. And the second thing is, is that its best source of fuel, the way it functions best, the best clean burning fuel, you know, if you have a Ferrari, you're going to go to the gas station and get the, the top fuel, none of this stuff that puts sludge in your pipes and all that kind of garbage, you're going to get the best fuel for that car to function at its best performance that it can. 
So our brain and central nervous system uses carbs as fuel, carbs as fuel. And we've become like a carb phobic society mm -hmm. now with all of these high fat, high protein diets, which maybe they'll give you a six pack of abs, but really there's a lot more to life than a six pack of abs. If your mental health is not good and you have a six pack of abs, like really, are you really living? You're not. And actually you probably don't really care much about your six pack at that time because other things are stressing you out. So we really, really need to include good fats into our diet, but not too far. Like if with the keto diet and all this information about healthy fats, that's great. But why do humans have to take it like to such an extreme? You don't sit there at your desk and eat coconut oil out of the jar. No, <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> like, you're going to get fat. It's fat. And that's all great that we actually burn up. Um, we actually burn up uh, coconut oil, my example, as fuel we do. But then all your other food will just be stored as fat. So it's not helping you out much. So we need to have balance. Wow. This concept that humans can't seem to um, figure out. And if we do, I guess we're just bored. So we try to find some other thing to stir it up. So healthy fats that come from your nuts, seeds, avocados, uh, coconut, and um, fish, but now eating fish itself, we can't do that too often because of the pollutants in it can cause us more harm than good. Mm. In that situation, actually, I do recommend fish oil supplementation because it's microfiltered and, and any toxins, heavy metals, PCBs, et cetera, have hopefully uh, been removed. So fish oil is a great supplement versus the food because we can't eat fish uh, every day of the week is going to cause more harm than good, unfortunately, at this time. So we need to have, you know, a diet anywhere between 20 and 30% of our caloric intake should come from fat, all types of fat. So again, we've had a society that used to be scared of saturated fat, scared that was going to give you heart disease, that was the root of all evil. And then we went to no, 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 you got to eat saturated fat, put butter in your coffee, <laughs> coconut oil, like just eat all this saturated fat. People are eating bacon and eggs three meals a day. No, it's so extreme. So we need saturated fat, but we also need the unsaturated fat, like your things that you hear in the media all the time, omega-3. So those are non-sticky, stackable fats that are not going to clog up your arteries and all that sort of stuff. So we need both to fuel the brain. Um, going back to children, there's actually a book called um, Is Your Child's Brain Starving? And it's about how to uh, treat kids with ADD, ADHD, and even autism with just getting some fat to the brain and some carbs as fuel. We cannot um, function optimally without carbs. So we've become afraid of carbs because, yes, in a sedentary society, if you're loading up on carbs, um, and you're not using them as energy, then yes, you're going to gain weight for sure. But nonetheless, now we're plagued with a society that every woman I speak to tells me they have no energy. They have no energy. Mm. Common, common complaint. And if you have no energy, then everything seems daunting and it, it's just, it's, it becomes difficult to cope with. Um, which then leads to depression and chronic fatigue syndrome and all these kinds of things. And then I look at their diet, like a salad is not carbs. A whole salad gives you like very few calories to begin with. So don't be shy to eat those sweet potatoes, those root vegetables, especially now it's winter. 
it's okay if you pack on a pound or two extra, it's cold, it's gonna keep you warm. Um, and these things come with all kinds of micronutrients. So we have our macronutrients, fats, carbs, protein, which I was just talking about. But then we have our micronutrients, all those vitamins and minerals are cofactors that we need to make these neurotransmitters serotonin, dopamine, to make all of our other hormones and all the things that go on inside our body that we don't think about every day. But if we don't take in those micronutrients, and unfortunately now with farming practices and artificial fertilizers, our soils, so right, right from the beginning, the micronutrient content of our food is unreliable now. So we actually really need to be taking in these vitamins and minerals because they're not so abundant in our food. So we really have to focus on eating a good diet to make sure that we get those things in so that um, we can produce all those neurotransmitters and hormones and everything that we need to keep our mental health and all other aspects of the body healthy. When we talk about carbs, um, I think most people... So I know you mentioned like the root vegetables, but most people go to bread and bread is kind of that, that's like the evil thing, right? Everyone says, stay away from bread. Don't eat bread after a, you know, is whole wheat or white. Like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, can you give a couple more examples of like carbs that would be good to eat? Uh, and let's talk about a little bit about bread. Or should we be as scared about bread as, you know, some people make it out to be? Yeah, actually, um, bread is really not good. And the reason is, um, you'll talk to people actually who can't tolerate bread. So they can't tolerate wheat, gluten, or whatever the problem is. They say, oh, every time I eat bread, I get bloated, oh, my tummy hurts, I get gas. And then they take a trip to Italy, let's say, or somewhere in Europe, France, and they get bread every day. Say, what? I feel fine. I ate bread every day and I felt fine. Well, that's because the, the wheat that we have here, which is grown abundantly in North America, um, is mostly GMO. It's mostly genetically modified at this time. So almost all wheat crops are genetically modified seeds, at the very least um, sprayed with tons of pesticides and herbicides and all that sort of thing. So um, it's no wonder that we're not digesting it very well and it causes so many more people problems than, I mean, when we were kids, we would have never heard this. I ate a peanut butter sandwich every day of my life for lunch and I was fine. Um, well, that's all relative, but yeah, I was fine. Um, so bread is, is essentially just a bunch of empty calories. And then on top of that, the inability to actually digest and absorb it. So it really doesn't leave you with much. Now, does that mean you should never, ever eat bread? Uh, no, if you really like bread and you go to the keg for dinner, if you've ever been to the keg, mm -hmm. they give you this basket with this warm bread. Oh, so mm -hmm. good. Um, just eat it. My, my famous tagline is, is just shut up and eat. You know, if it's your friend's birthday and you're going out and, and there's bread and you want to eat it, then go ahead. But should it be your normal everyday diet? Not really simply because it's just empty calories. There's no micronutrients left in it. In fact, this is an awesome story. So um, Health Canada, of course, regulates the food that's, that's sold on the market. And when bread was first made, so basically after World War II, because prior to that, you didn't go to the supermarket to buy bread, you made it at home. And you know now, even if you've had your grandma's bread that she bakes, 
it's you eat it that day you don't really save it for the next day it's kind of stale mm. and dry and, and hard and it's not very good so we had to um, after world war ii when women had to go to work and start building more equipment for the war and all that kind of stuff we had to take some of those domestic duties and and put them out out to tender and so basically now um more and more food became available in supermarkets and bread was one of those main staples of of life because it's cheap and it fills you up so um i don't know what the first company was they decided you know they would come up with a recipe that was shelf stable so that it wouldn't be stale by the very next day like your own homemade bread and we would sell this in the supermarket well basically health canada looked at it and said we can't really sell this as, as food because it doesn't have any vitamins or minerals in it. Like there's nothing in it. So how can we class this as a food? You're going to have to take your recipe back, fix it up a little bit and send it back to us. And, and we'll tell you if it's classed as a food or not. So essentially what they did is the raw ingredients. If you take wheat, for example, like a whole stick of wheat, it definitely has all kinds of B vitamins and minerals and, and all sorts of things. But by the time we strip down all that, bleach it into white flour, put preservatives and all this kind of stuff, you end up with nothing in the end. So basically the bread's getting stirred in the vat. Somebody in the office upstairs was like, ah, we got to add some vitamins there. How about B1, B2, B3? Okay, those are the first you think of, right? One, two, three. Basically they dump a vitamin pill in, keep stirring the vat and ta-da, now the food has nutrients in it. Now you will see this to this day, every white bread packaged cereal, uh, pasta you'll see on the market. It will say enriched with, it doesn't say B1, B2, B3. It says niacin, riboflavin, which is essentially B1, B2, B3. Um, there was even a commercial on TV when I was a kid, this little kid, you know, mom, what's riboflavin? He's reading his like cornflake box or something. And um, so that's, we've stuck to that ever since. We basically strip these white products white bread, white pasta, and, you know, commercialized cereals like corn pops and, and um, Cheerios and all this garbage. We essentially, the processing of it to turn it into a shelf-stable, yummy food, we strip it of everything. And then at the end of the assembly line, we just dump back in what was there in the first place. So that's why it says enriched. If it was fortified, it means it was never there to begin with, and we just added in because it was healthy. But if we enriched it, it means it was there in those raw ingredients. It's not anymore by the time we got to the end of the assembly line. So we added back in and away we go. So is bread like, you know, really worth much in terms of your dietary bank account? Not really. So again, you want to go for whole grains, which is super misleading. Because I'll ask people, how many whole grains do you eat in a day? They're like, oh, like four or five. I'm like, well, what did you have? Well, I had whole grain bread. There's no such thing. As mm. soon as we turn a grain into flour, it's no longer whole. So the marketing is misleading. The bread says whole grain. Your Tim Hortons muffin probably says whole grain. Your bagel says whole grain. No, none of that is a whole grain. The minute we turn it into flour, it's no longer whole. It's smushed up, turned into flour. So we need to eat more actual whole grains. Those, the most common, of course, and simplest is whole oats, oatmeal, rolled oats or steel cut oats. Um, rolled oats are probably more palatable for most people um, and still full of minerals and vitamins and all the things that should be there. 
Of course, you could um, go to the store and get like wheat cereal that you have to cook in hot water. Essentially, if you have to cook it in hot water, it was a whole mm. grain, right? So those are where we can get our carbs from. Rice is another one. Um, different, all the different types of rice, oatmeal. Um, quinoa is um, gaining a lot of popularity these days, but that's actually a seed, but whatever, we could throw it in the grain category because most people do. And then of course your, your root or starchy vegetables. So not the leafy green ones, but the ones that have more substance, carrots, potatoes, sweet potatoes, beets, things like that. Mm, okay, that's good to know. Supplements, because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, you're more versed in the, the health field than I am for sure. But to me, it seems like supplements have really started to take off in the, the last couple of years. I know I'm on them. You know, I take a bunch of them now. Uh, and I, I am curious. So again, keeping to that mental wellness, um, and especially now when we're about to go into winter in a pandemic, and we're all going to kind of be struggling a little bit more than usual. If we're looking to supplement, what things could we be taking that potentially could help us? I know, I mean, vitamin D seems to be the big one. I, I'm not sure if there's any evidence. I'll let you answer that. But what are some good things that we could be taking to support our, our mental be- well-being? That's a super good question. And I'm, I'm very cautious because it's unfortunate actually that you can really literally walk into any store and buy all kinds of vitamins and herbal supplements. You know, in general, you won't harm yourself with vitamins and minerals, but herbal remedies are extremely powerful. And then some of these things that alter our neurotransmitters like SAMe, GABA, and different supplements that are on the market like that. Um, I really caution people on just, you know, reading an article in some magazine or online and being like, oh, I read that that's really good. I'm going to go start taking it because that's your mind that you're messing with. And everyone is unique. And so if we even just use my boyfriend and myself, he weighs 100 pounds more than I do. Like that's a whole other person. So should we be taking the same amount? Probably not. And so if you just run to the store and be like, oh, I just read that, uh, you know, GABA is really good for balancing mood and uh, I turn over the bottle, oh, take two capsules a day, okay, and then I go home and then I realize, you know, I start taking it and weird things start happening. I really think that things that are more specific like that um, should be under the care of some sort of healthcare practitioner, whether it's a medical doctor, a naturopath, a nutritionist, someone who can follow you. Um, you know, basically look at you as an individual because we're all unique and there's no like sort of standard protocol that everyone should follow. But vitamin D definitely, um, essential fatty acids and my, my choice is always um, fish oil, but if you're a plant-based person, um, you don't consume animal products, then you can go for flaxseed oil or something like that. The reason I'm a fan of fish oil is that um, when we consume these types of fats, our liver has to break it down and convert it into EPA and DHA, which are terms that people hear these days, that's your omega-3 fats and so on. Um, The fish already does that. So when you take Mm. fish oil, um, it's already converted, so your body can use it. Now, if your liver is burdened under stress from chemicals, alcohol, stress, then it may not have the time to actually do that conversion with your plant-based oil. So your flaxseed oil, pumpkin seed oil, or whatever. But that's fine. I mean, you're still going to get something from it. It's just not as easy for your body to use 
And depending on the condition that you're in health-wise, you may not have the ability to convert that into its EPA and DHA to get full benefit from it. But I mean, if you're plant-based, go for it. Take it in anyways. Um, you're still getting those essential fatty acids for sure. So that's key. That's key for mental health. Um, the other thing is just adequate protein because there are so many different amino acids from protein. Um, so some people will supplement with taurine on its own. Um, that's one of the most common ones for mental health and different amino acids on their own. But again, if we look at the body, everything is synergistic and things work together. It's very rare. Well, it's, it's impossible in nature that you would find a food that just has taurine in it. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. It does for some people. I, I absolutely have recommended individual amino acids to people. But as a starting point, let's just make sure our protein intake is um, adequate so that our body has the raw tools to be able to make these neurotransmitters. So those would be my top three things. And I really find that people, um, despite what they think, are really not, unless they're on some carnivore diet or something like that, are not really consuming the amount of protein that they should, um, especially if they're on some calorie restricted diet to lose weight. Um, protein is really, really critical because protein is not an energy source in the body. We don't use it for, well, we shouldn't use it for energy. It has better things to do, which is building, building your immune system, building your hair, skin, and nails, building your neurotransmitters, building your hormones. So if you don't have that raw material, then you won't be able to build the, the neurotransmitters that you need. The other thing that's critical, and this is more of a lifestyle related thing, is that we sort of have to, it's hard in, well, it's a little bit easier actually now that it's a pandemic, but it's a little hard in our society to sort of adjust to the, the natural clock, which is what we should be doing, which mm -hmm. means we should technically go to bed at like 4.30, I think it's dark out now, but um, we, we need to keep our melatonin and serotonin levels in check and we can manually manipulate that, right? And I mean, if you go camping, for example, you typically don't stay up as late as you usually would. And you usually wake up a lot earlier than you would because you wake up with the sun. And then when it's dark, what are you going to do? You, you light a fire, it gives you a little bit of light. Maybe you have a headlamp or something, but you're, you don't tend to stay up too late because it's dark. There's nothing to do. But now we live in a modern world, of course, where we have lights and we can stay up as late as we want. And then we have you know, we don't necessarily wake up with the sun, but if we can adjust our schedule to go to bed earlier in the winter, because it's dark at 4.30, that means your body starts to slow down and your melatonin production should start to go up, assuming you're not stuck in front of electronics, though, because the blue light has an impact on sort of tricking you into thinking that it's daylight when it's not. So we want to try to stay off electronics at least an hour, if not two before bed, so that our bodies are like, oh yeah, look, it's the end of the day. It's time to wind down. When it winds down, our melatonin goes up. When we wake up, we should actually like open the curtains and look outside, stare at the sun. Hopefully it's there. It is today. So um, even it's wonderful actually if people have pets and they're forced to go out for a walk, get mm. some fresh air and actually see the sun first thing, right? So we have a dog, so we get up and we go outside. And as much as I hate the cold, that sun signals to your body, woo, it's daytime. So 
So your cortisol goes up to give you some energy, your serotonin goes up to give you zest to go on with that day. So if you're sleeping until noon and you're staying up late and doing all these radical things, you are definitely not helping your um, mental health and hormone production and all that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll go back. Sleep is always number one for me. When I just want to go back to the vitamin D and the protein just quickly. Um, Cause you mentioned not most people aren't getting enough protein. Of course, everyone's different. I, I know you, it's a hard to give one like, just clean answer, or maybe there is an easy way, but what would be, you know, that magic number if there is one to get that proper intake of protein in your day? Okay, I guess we can make it a simple answer. So um, actually, there's a really good research article which I alluded to in the beginning um, that says, you know, protein requirements have been grossly underestimated by the government because they set the the healthy ranges, healthy levels of vitamins and minerals and, and protein, carbs and fats for the for the population. Um, so you know most things refer to to that. So if you look at a nutrition label and it says, oh, this is giving you 20% of your iron today. Well, how do you know what my iron is? It's based on the government what it sets. So um, there's only one thing that's going to make it well, two things that are going to make a difference. If you exercise or you don't exercise, your protein requirements are going to be um, quite different. So essentially, if you don't exercise, you can go with like 0.8 grams up to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So now we're mixing imperial and um, metric together, but that's okay. 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight. If you're training at the gym, then you'll want to go anywhere between 1 and 1.5. So let's just use me as an example. I think I weigh about 145. So I eat 145 grams of protein per day. And I'm an exerciser. So that's why I lean to the higher end. Now, many people will fight me on this one in terms of exercises. Oh, no, no, you need way more than that. That's fine. You do you. Um, I'm just giving a, a rough idea. Now, how would you know how much protein you're taking in the best way to do it is to download one of those free apps like MyFitnessPal. Don't do it for the rest of your life. Just do it for like three days because it becomes a little, it's not healthy. I don't think mm. to track your every food every day. It's too daunting, first of all, and then it becomes a little obsessive for many of us anyway. But if we're humans, we're creatures of habit. We probably eat pretty much the same thing every day for breakfast, you know, a couple different lunches. We rotate through a few different suppers. So really all you need to do is track yourself for a few days and then you'll have an idea. Whoa, I'm way off or, oh, I'm right on par or, oh, I, you know, if I eat that for supper, then I should be eating this for breakfast. And then that got me to my right amount of protein. Oh, when I eat lunch at that restaurant, then oh, I need to make sure I eat this for breakfast and it gets me to the right protein level. So you just really have to do it for, for maybe three to five days tops and you'll have an idea of if you're lacking or not. And you'd be surprised people mm. are lacking. Like just for me to get in 145 grams of protein, I have to supplement with protein shakes because I, I just, I can't get it in, in my meals. It's actually a lot of mm. protein. But as someone who exercises, if you don't get in enough protein, the first thing your body's going to do is say, oh, we've had some trauma to the muscles. We need to go repair that. So then you might notice, again, 
you're getting sick more often because your protein is not being used to make antibodies and build your immunity. Um, you might notice your hair is kind of dull and your skin and your nails and your neurotransmitters, mental health might start to suffer. That's because you didn't have enough protein left over to build all those other things that need to be built. You might have good muscles, um, but we need to make sure we have enough for that and for all the other jobs that protein does in the body. Vitamin D, that's another one. Uh, and that one comes up a lot because when you, I mean, you mentioned kind of Google searching earlier, like when people are like, you know, trying to Google how to feel better, it's always vitamin D. You know, you hear some people like who are really into fitness or health that they, I mean, I've heard up to 10,000 IUs a day. Um, whereas on the, usually when you get the, the jar, um, it's, it's like 100. So you take one or I, I take two. Um, it's 1,000. 1,000, sorry. Yes, 1,000. Yeah. Um, and then I also heard uh, last week that actually the droplets are better than the pills. So, I mean, a kind of a crash course on vitamin D, how much should you be taking like what might be dangerous um like just for like the average person on trying to kind of combat that seasonal depression yeah you see everyone is totally different mm -hmm. um and again you have to go by your size and you know your muscle mass and, and all kinds of things because we have vitamin d receptors on our muscles so everyone's requirement is different but the best thing to go by is how you feel but we do have to be careful with something like vitamin D because there are two categories of vitamins. They either fall into the water-soluble category or the fat-soluble category. And if they're water-soluble, you take too much, no big deal, you're going to pee it out. You've seen this if you've even taken a multivitamin in your life. You go pee, it's fluorescent yellow. That's just water-soluble B vitamins or vitamin C being flushed out of your system. It's no big deal. You could take like the whole bottle. The worst thing going to happen to you is you may, might get diarrhea because your body's trying to flush it out. Fine. But fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, E, D, and K, are fat-soluble, which means we have the ability to store them in our body and we can't flush them out as quickly. Mm. And you know this, but you just don't realize it. People know this because think about this. Um, winter, it's, it's long, it's shitty, you feel like crap, but then you go for one week to Cancun, Mexico. And when you're in Cancun, Mexico, you spend from sun up to sundown outside, like more than you ever would in your home city when you're in the summer because you got to work for a living and do other things. You're not, no one cooks your meals and changes your sheets every day and does your laundry, right? So um, you stay outside from sun up to sundown. And we know that we get vitamin D from the sun. And now I just told you that vitamin D is storable. So you soak up vitamin D like it's going out of style and then you come home and for some reason the rest of winter just doesn't feel so bad. It's because you actually soaked up and you could store some of that vitamin D to get you through the rest of winter. So that's actually the solution. We all need to go on a vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's apparently not an option anymore. <laughs> Actually, I have tickets. I'm getting on a plane and I'm going. I might not be allowed back in the country, but being stuck in Dominican Republic is probably not the worst thing in the world. Mm. So um, we do have to be careful with our vitamin D. However, the amount that's recommended is extremely conservative, extremely conservative. So it used to be 1,000 IUD. Then they bumped it up to 4,000 IUD. But even 10,000 IUD, you'd probably be fine. Now, if you were like a 100-pound girl, I probably wouldn't go with 10,000. 
but like someone for you, you could probably go with 10,000 and you would be fine. So again, there are other factors that are going to affect your mental health. So you can't just be taking your vitamin D drops and be like, well, I don't feel any better. So I'm just take more, take more, take more. But if all your other you know, ducks are in a row, you're getting good sleep, you're eating decently well, you move your body every day, you know, even if it's nothing major, then you can play with your vitamin D by upping your dose and just seeing if it makes an impact. And it should be relatively quickly because it is storable. So you'll get it in and you should notice a difference. So it's a, it's a broad answer, but anywhere mm -hmm. between 4,000 and 10,000 IUD is pretty safe for most people. You're not going to hurt yourself with that. Um, I don't actually know the statistics, like if, if people have overdosed on vitamin D in Canada and then it's hurt them. I mean, I even recommend people take their vitamin D in the summer in Canada because, you know, let's face it, most of us get in, not now, but prior, you know, we get in our air-conditioned car, drive to our air-conditioned office, in there for eight hours, maybe go for a walk at lunch. Uh, that's for the people who didn't eat at their computer. And then they come home. The sun's not very strong by the end of the day. You stand out, barbecue some burgers, come inside to your air-conditioned house. Like really, how much sun did you get? So a lot of people, I tell them, just take it all year round. Um, unless you are, you know, someone who goes out every Sunday bike day and all that kind of stuff, there's a potential that you're even still low in the summer. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember there was a study kind of when COVID started that most people, it came out that like the relationship between COVID and vitamin D, but it was that like, then the big statistic that it was like 80% of America was uh, deficient in vitamin D or like, and how much, you know, our lifestyle affects, you know, getting outside into the sun and, and even supplementing, like we're just, it, how much we're lacking in all these different things and how it can affect our broad like our broader health yeah actually there is um basically the the general rule is this if you live north of atlanta then you're not getting vitamin d from the sun even if you're out in it so today mm. even if you and i go for a walk outside the sun is not strong enough at this point to even get any benefit from it i mean there's other benefit for circadian rhythm like i said melatonin rising at night and that sort of thing. So there's definitely benefit to getting out in the sun, but not for vitamin D purposes. And I guess Rhonda, Dr. Rhonda Patrick was on um, Joe Rogan, but not only that, there was a study that came out before she even was on there um, saying that there is a correlation between mm -hmm. vitamin D levels and your ability to um, fight COVID, recover from it if you do get it and all those sort of things. And absolutely, because vitamin D does more than mental health. It's important in your calcium metabolism, your immune system, uh, muscle building, so many things. So, of, you know, the short list of supplements I would recommend to people, vitamin D is definitely on that list in most of North America. Mm. I, I want to talk about some of these diets too, because they are, I mean, they're the, the craze right now. And especially, I know tons of people, especially since the pandemic, because everyone was kind of worried about putting on the weight that we're, we're stuck inside, can't, especially when gyms were closed. Um, I mean, there's so many out there and, and everyone kind of touts these different ones. So, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on each one, but the, the two biggest that I hear right now, one is keto. And one is, inter I don't know if it's a diet, but intermittent fasting seems to be a big one for a lot of people. What, 
what these, at least these two diets, I mean, to me, they don't seem sustainable, but are they, like, should people be doing them? Uh, can they help lose weight? Um, that's not what they were designed for. Okay. <laughs> so that's the first problem. We take everything and turn it into a way to get thin. That's all we care. That is all we care. Like, I was having this debate with someone the other day. I was saying, you know, carnivore is the next craze, mark my words. Yeah. And the person was, like, really skeptical. They're like, really? Because, you know, think of the environmental impact of that. And I was like, that's true. But tell somebody this. Listen, you're going to get a six-pack from this diet. But, you know, we're going to have to kill a lot more cows. We're going to put a lot of carbon in the air. It's going to not be so good for the environment. For about 10 seconds, I'm like, mm, oh, but a six-pack? Sure, let's do it. Like, Believe me, the environmental uh, side of it is not going to affect the majority of people. If you can guarantee a six pack from it, we'll give it a try. Um, so like the ketogenic diet, we'll use that word loosely, has been around for a long time, but it's been, as a, it's been basically a medical treatment for people with epilepsy. So that's mm. what it was designed for. And then, you know, the outcome or the side effect was that some of these epilepsy patients, because epilepsy is your central nervous system, I just said your brain needs fat. So, you know, this diet was uh, used medicinally for um, epileptic patients. And then I guess, you know, I'm going to make, make fun here. Maybe some overweight nurse or doctor in the office was like, wait a minute, these patients are losing weight. I'm going to try this. But that's not what it was designed for. It's not designed for weight loss. And so um, the anatomy textbook that's used in many universities and used uh, in my college as well, if you um, read the anatomy textbook, it states this phrase exactly. Being in ketosis is a state of emergency. Mm. It's a state of emergency for the body. So essentially, if we, and people always talk about this too, oh, we should eat like hunter-gatherers, which I also think is dumb because is any other aspect of our life like a hunter-gatherer? No. So, you know, you need to eat the diet that's appropriate to you and your lifestyle and your environment and your genetics and your geography. So, you know, nothing about hunter-gatherer matches us today. But anyways, that's another story. So um, now I forget where I was even going with that. But this diet, um, this ketogenic diet, yes, state of emergency. So imagine if you were a hunter-gatherer, you know, wintertime comes, you might only be able to hunt rabbits and, you know, other meat animals. So you would be eating predominantly a carnivore diet until, you know, the snow melts and then the berries grow and you, you get some more uh, plant-based foods that you can eat. So your carb intake would be very low, but that's not cool. That's because you were forced into that based on, you know, living in a, a place where it's winter and you really couldn't forage for, for fruits and vegetables and berries and, and all of these kind of things. So, you know, your body went into ketosis because it had to. That's not something you really want to do to yourself on a regular basis. And that's actually why we see when people start the ketogenic diet, it actually can take two weeks or more for the body to go into full ketosis. There's all these kind of things you can blow into, test your urine, test all these things to see if you are actually in ketosis. And the reason is, is that your body will fight that for as long as it can, because it doesn't really want to be in ketosis. So the day that you just eat fat, it doesn't go into ketosis. 
um, it takes a little while till finally the body says, all right, there's a freaking famine going on here. Like there's no uh, fruits or vegetables or carbs of any kind. So fine, I need to keep functioning. So I guess I will turn this fat into fuel, but it's not clean burning. It's not really the greatest source of fuel for the body. The science of how the cells in the body work, that's never changed. Um, of course, we learn more things about the microbiome and the gut-brain connection and all that kind of stuff. But at a cellular level, the way we convert and process energy, that, that's never changed. So if we break it down on that level, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Does it work for some people? Because everyone is different, right? And it happens all the time. You might be walking downtown one day and you run into an old high school friend and you're like, damn, girl, like, what have you been doing? And they say, oh, I... I eat like this, I eat like that. So you go home and you try the same thing and you feel like crap. You have no energy, you gain weight. Yeah, because we're all different. So it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But if it does, and that's the gauge, like do you feel good on this diet? Do you have good energy? How's your skin, hair, and nails? Um, are you sleeping well? Um, all of these things will indicate to you if what you're doing is working or not. Now, intermittent fasting, the idea is that, you know, if we shorten... Intermittent fasting was designed for diabetic patients. Again, it was more of a medicinal uh, diet, if you will. Um, the idea is, is that, you know, if our window of eating is smaller, then perhaps we'll eat less, and then as a result, we'll lose weight. Again, on paper, that makes sense. Less energy in, more energy out, we're going to lose weight. But it's not that simple. In a society where we are um, extremely stressed, where cortisol levels are high, adrenals are exhausted, a lot of people with thyroid dysfunction, if you deprive them of energy, food, for, oh, and by the way, in North America, we've adjusted that diet. It's okay if you have coffee, though. So you're on intermittent fasting, but you can wake up and have your coffee. Like, give me a break. So it's really um, stressful on your adrenals and thyroid. And in many cases, people end up gaining weight as a result because it's just added stress on your on your body. Um, it never changes, but like I said, we, we don't want to do the work. So we will listen to anyone's crazy idea if we believe, um, you know, it's going to be easier. But intermittent fasting and ketogenic diet are not easier. Like you said, are these sustainable? No, they're not. Um, but again, it's how human beings are. They don't say to themselves, oh, that bag of chips I eat every night when I watch Netflix, I should just cut that out. No, they don't say that. They say, oh, I'm going to do the ketogenic diet or some radical extreme thing. But it's not sustainable. It's your friend's birthday. It's your birthday. Your friends are coming over. You're going out for dinner. What are you going to say? You, you go to Joey's at Landown and you're like, yeah, just give me a bowl of avocado soaked in, in um, coconut milk. Like, come on going to be at least 60 bucks. <laughs> um, it, it just, it's not sustainable. It makes your, your life really not fun. And um, that, then we end up in a vicious cycle, right? Where we attempt and then we fail. And then what does that do to your, your mental health and your self-esteem? And then you've messed up your metabolism. You end up gaining more weight than you started with. It's such a vicious cycle. I just wish that we could just, I always say, just be normal. Like, people always ask me what I eat. Like, it's the number one question. Mm. What do you eat? I'm like, whatever. Like, whatever. 
my body, of course, is used to healthy foods, so that's what I eat. But like last night, my kids and I, we baked cookies. Now they don't have dairy or eggs in them. They're gluten-free, but I could feed them to anyone and they would say, these cookies are the bomb. Like they, they taste amazing. There's cane sugar in them, which is sugar. I ate a cookie. In fact, I ate one for breakfast. So I have a smoothie for breakfast and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to the gym and I didn't feel like enough. I'm having a cookie. Whatever. And uh, I, I don't sweat it and I don't stress. And again, there people ask me all the time what I eat because I never fluctuate. I've been looking this way for forever because I don't do anything extreme or drastic or, or unsustainable. We also have to factor in like seasons, right? Ask me what I eat in the summer compared to what I eat in the winter. It's totally different because lifestyle is totally different. Right. There's that whole kind of uh, eat with the seasons uh, mentality. Um, I don't know if it's gaining popularity, but I've just started to hear about it now. And you kind of eat what's fresh and, you know, and what's locally sourced. And then you just kind of follow along with, with all that. It seems to be a little more, I don't know, sustainable in, in ways because you're eating locally. Exactly. Um, I love, I love this guilt. Like, you know, this, the, you're kind of like, it's guilt free, right? Like, and I think that is so important for people because we have a love, hate, terrible relationship with food. Um, and there's so much shame, you know, like I know I, I had um, fried chicken and some French fries on, on Sunday for my, my uh, brother's birthday and on Saturday I ended up going home so I didn't get a workout in. I was like, oh, I'm going to be so fat. Oh, what am I, my, all my progress that I've been doing for four years, it's gone just because And it, that's not real. Like I'm not missing anything, but like, it's just so funny how it's programmed into our minds that like one, I was going to say slip up, but it's not even a slip up. It's just, you went and enjoyed food with your family but yeah, we treat it as Welcome yeah, to the club. we treat it as we failed oh my god we made a huge mistake what, what did I do to myself yeah it's actually really sad um essentially the relationship that so many of us have with food and the the biggest challenge is is that we can't just quit it right you know if you have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol you tend to take it too far drugs too far coffee too far whatever it is, you can stop right? You can abstain entirely and then, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you don't have to worry about it. But you can't, you can't quit food. It's, it's something you put into your body minimum three times a day. And it becomes, I guess I probably live in a bubble of that's all that people talk about, but I see it in mainstream society too. It's, it's literally consuming so much of our thoughts. And um, it's, it's seriously not healthy and I, I don't know where the disconnect happened or when it happened because, you know, growing up, for example, I never heard anything about even drink how much water you're supposed to drink per day. I never heard anything about anything. Like we just, my mom cooked supper every night. We sat down, we ate it. If we wanted seconds, we got it. If we didn't feel like eating, we didn't. It was a little bit more intuitive. If you wanted water, like if you were outside, you didn't even have to go in the house. You turn on the hose and drink it out there. You weren't so worried. Oh no, is it filtered? Did I use my million dollar filter to filter this water before I drink it? And uh, like it's, it's just gone crazy. I guess it's been a slow progression. I, I guess there wasn't a turning point. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have those thoughts sometimes too. Like I didn't have that thought when I ate the cookie this morning, but. I, I do have those thoughts sometimes as well, but it's exactly right. 
um, you, you're not a bad person because you you ate something bad, and we'll use that loosely as well because what's bad and what's good is is constantly changing, and it varies from person to person what's actually bad and good for them. Because something inherently good could be bad for you if you have a intolerance or allergy to it or something like that. Um, but I mean, it doesn't. What what you did doesn't erase the good things that you did. You're not going to wake up five pounds heavier tomorrow. It, it doesn't work like that. In fact, the body auto auto regulates itself. So, like if I go out tonight to an all you can eat pizza eating contest, and I eat like 16 pieces of pizza, my body's actually going to rev up its metabolism. It's going to be like, oh my god, mm. we have a lot of calories here to burn, or we have a lot of carbs or a lot of fat. Like whichever one. In that case, it's both. So my body will actually rev up the metabolism to try to get through that. If I pigged out on something that was super fattening, well then when I'm sitting here just talking to you, my body's drawing fuel sort of 50-50 from fat and carbohydrates. But if I ate like a ton of fat last night or, or this morning with my breakfast, my body will actually shift a little bit and burn more fat, sort of keep everything in balance, right? This homeostasis. So I mean, if you do things like that once in a while, your body will, will rev up, slow down. That's also what happens. It slows down. So if people deprive themselves, then the body thinks they go on some calorie-restricted diet. The body's like, oof, we need to work in, like, eco mode, you know, and you put your car in eco mode, and it, it's more efficient. It doesn't go very fast. Same thing with your body is that it's going to sort of down-regulate itself, slow down to conserve energy so that it can function on this little bit of calories. But the older we get and the more times we do that to ourselves, the less likely we are to be able to bounce back from it. But if you eat, you know, enough calories to sustain yourself a properly balanced diet and then, you know, one night you go to a pizza eating contest and you eat 16 pizzas, you'll be fine. Your body will actually mm -hmm. rev up burn the extra and, and bring y'all back down to normal and everything's fine. It's when we're constantly yo-yoing that the body just, it, it just can't keep up. It's too much stress. Well, that makes me feel so much better because sometimes yeah. I feel like eating 16 pieces of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I use that example all the time because I don't actually know the number anymore. It's been inflated over the years, but in high school, I won a pizza eating contest and it was all guys and I was the only girl and I won. And so, of course, I believe they've exaggerated the story over the years, but I can't remember how many I ate now. I think it was 11. <laughs> Still it's impressive. Been, it's like walking to school in the snow by your grandparents. The, the snow right. gets deeper and the distance gets longer every time the story is told. So it's up to 16 now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, um, I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and just pick your brain. Um, so I'll have to have you again on soon, but I know uh, I got to get back to work. My email's flooding up and I know you got stuff to do as well. Before I let you go, just as we go in the winter, you know, health is top of mind. We want to increase our, you know, the talk about of our, our immune system, boosting our immune system, taking care of our health, like just some final general advice I know we've even probably talked about it here, but like, what would you just tell someone in passing? You know what, if you want to take care of yourself this winter, do X. Yeah. Okay. So I would just say three things. And, and if you were to ask my kids, they'd be like, the, they know exactly. <laughs> so I would say make an effort to get good sleep. It's easy in the winter. It's cold. Just, just go to bed. It's dark. Just, just go to bed. Get good sleep. Put sleep as a priority. It just makes everything in life so much easier. 
the second thing, especially coming up to the holidays, is like I put this hashtag on things, shut up and eat. If you're, um, you know, having family over, friends over, your little bubble of people, and, and you want to make something special that's, you know, especially fattening or carb laden or whatever, do it. You're going to be okay. Enjoy. You need to enjoy life. And if you enjoy life, it's less likely that you're going to binge and, and do crazy things like that. And then the other thing is find something that you sincerely enjoy that involves moving your body. I mean, we could talk about exercise for days too, because every day there's a new form of exercise that's the best and greatest and latest, and this is what you need to be doing. There's no such thing. Um, I mean, the most research has been done on just walking. <laughs> it's really the greatest thing to prevent all diseases, but we don't care about that. We just want a six pack. So just find a way to move your body every day. Even if you just do 10 minutes of stretching, it really, really makes an impact on not just your physical, but your mental health. If you just take time to move your body minimum 10 minutes a day, there's all kinds of free YouTube videos, yoga, hit workouts, everything just just move your body in something that you enjoy though. If you have to force yourself to do it, I mean, there will be days that you have to force yourself, but you'll feel so much better after and it will make winter and quarantine and all this stuff so much more bearable. Mm -hmm. I've taken up body combat this uh, quarantine because I don't have anywhere to go. So I'm in my sixth floor apartment. I'm like, hey, what can I do in this space? And YouTube free body combat. And I'm like feeling like a you know ninja. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> great. Um, so if people want to learn more, uh, I know you have the school, uh, people are really interested in this stuff, but social media, if they want to get in touch with you about nutrition, where can they find you? Yeah. So actually because of the pandemic, um, before you could only come to my school and study college and get a diploma, like a really serious program, but we now offer a program for the general public with just the healthy eating and lifestyle certificate. Cause a lot more people are interested in learning more about their health, but not committing to like a a one or two year college diploma program. So the website is CSNN Ottawa, CSNN standing for Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. So CSNNOttawa.ca has all of our programs on there. We're also on Instagram, which advertises all those things too. And we do cooking classes that are all virtual for general public can, can join in. So that's also CSNN Ottawa. And then to find me personally, I've actually, there's been such a demand since the pandemic that I'm actually starting a nutrition practice, which I never thought I would ever do. So you'll find me on Instagram at Nutrition with Nat and a website, Nutrition with Nat. And then my personal Instagram, which um, just showcases all the other crazy things I might do in life is um, Natalie underscore Riviere. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredibly enlightening and I appreciate you taking the time and, and answering some of these questions because they've been on my mind for 28 years. So <laughs> I really <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.